Podcast. I am your host, Chris Patrick. This will be our last Heat Check Podcast of 2023. It is Sunday, December 17th, 2023. I wrote down November on my notes here for some reason. That's that's a little strange, but man, guys, I can't believe we're at the end of another year. 2024 is set to be a big one for us here at VSP, so we hope that you and yours have a great end of the year, a safe and happy holidays. Of course, I got to introduce the fellas back with me in the Valley Sports Plug Studios. We have the man who leaked the Grand Theft Auto 6 trailer a day early, Michael Benjamin. Man, I'm still going through some legal recourse on that one, too. What's going on, Chris? <laughs> How could you? How could you? But we all appreciate it. That was a fun trailer to watch. We were all very excited, but that won't be till 2025. Mike, of course, joining us, we have Cam Newton's personal hat selector, VSP Tallman. <laughs> What's up, fellas? Did you just come up with that right now? I had it written. You down had it for written a down. While, oh yeah. man, what a coincidence! <laughs> just uh, happened to have brought up Cam Newton like five minutes selector. ago. Oh man, how do you do it, man? What is your? Do you base it off like what his wardrobe is? Because you don't pick his whole wardrobe; you just pick his hat. Just his hat, yeah. I so he paid. picks the wardrobe, and then you pick the hat, or do you pick the hat and then he picks the wardrobe? Usually, we start with the hat. Yeah. So you start at the top, you work your way down. That's right? smart. That's you know that's the general rule of thumb. Um, but it pays pretty good. You know, not bad. Um. How often yeah. do you have to select his hat? Is it every day? Or it's a, it like a nine-to-five. Okay. Yeah, it's 40 hours a week. It's a full-time gig. Wow. Yeah. Incredible. Just make sure you don't call him a game manager, right? <laughs> <laughs> hat, yeah. You can call him a hat manager. Hat manager. <laughs> Guys, I'm excited to be back here. And like I mentioned, our last Heat Check podcast report, recording here in person. Uh, we just got some, you know housekeeping items to close the year out with the sun season of course is right in smack dab in the middle of it the big three finally made their debut and then we're back to the status quo of it being either two of the three or one of the three diamondbacks are making some moves in the off season they have some signings including some breaking news just a few hours before we recorded this you've probably heard by now lourdes goriel is coming back to the diamondbacks on a three-year deal and uh we got a pitcher we got another starting pitcher added into the rotation we're gonna have to talk about that um i think tallman and i we're, we're wanting to talk some golf today um see if we can get mike to to share his thoughts on some of that and uh then just some of our overall thoughts and uh feelings are maybe some of our favorite memories of 2023 and uh what we have upcoming for you guys just real excited um, but fellas, are you ready to get into it? Let's do it, man. It's that time. Let's, Let's finish off the year on a high note. Let's do it. <laughs> Absolutely. So right on the top of the docket is the Phoenix Suns and the big three debut. Mike, we were at that game against Brooklyn, a very emotional night. Not only the debut of the big three, but also the return of Mikel Bridges and Cam Johnson, their first time playing at Footprint Center since the trade went down last season. And last season, but earlier this year, crazy when you put that in perspective. Um, Mike, what were just some of your th like feelings and emotions that night go going to that game? Well, obviously, before everything kicked off, we knew it was going to be the first time that Cam and Mikhail were back. So the juices were already flowing just because of that. What an awesome tribute it was as well as they were doing the uh, player announcements and the starting lineup for the Nets. And then they basically just put a complete pause when it came to them, played the video tribute. Man, everybody was hyped, giving them love. And those are the kind of guys that deserved it, right? And we got the cherry on top when we found out that KD was coming back from his ankle and they were going to play Brad Beal on the back-to-back. -back, so we got to see it. And... There were some flashes of good and obviously some flashes of not so good. But overall, 
it was a very, very exciting game. It went down to the wire. And we'll give this one to our main guy, Ian. Eh, he can have this one. That's fine. <laughs> yeah, I mean, obviously they're going to have some wrinkles to work out with getting those three back in the groove. Saw a lot of hesitation from Bradley Beal and even a little bit from Kevin Durant and Devin Booker trying to find out who's going to shoot the rock. Uh, Beal passed up on a lot of open looks where he had plenty of space to pull the trigger and just didn't. Um, but of course, now he's out of the lineup again uh, with an ankle injury. Mike, you were telling me it could be a couple of weeks. Uh, hard to say on that one. So it was the what it was the neck first or the back, and now it's the ankle. Beal is uh, that's going to be one we get into. But Tallman, what was uh, what did you think about the big three finally getting together and having a bit of a bumpy start there? Well, it was to be expected, right? I mean, you can't, they're not all three going to come in and, you know, well, I guess from, <laughs> there was a little part of me where I was like, all right, they're all three playing. We're just going to blow out every team, right? I definitely thought we should have won that game. Um, it was a good game, but I mean, like you mentioned, there's going to be some rust, you know, they got to, they got to get in their groove, you know, build kind of whatever they're, whatever they're trying to build. But um, it's, upsetting that it's only one game that we have with the big three and now it's just the same same stuff right back to square right one, back to basically. square one where it's just everything's just a question now what is this team going to look like once, once it comes uh playoff time we have no idea it's just it's frustrating very frustrating but um incredible that it actually happened that they all three played in a game i was waiting for <laughs> something to happen uh an hour before tip-off but um, it was exciting to see, but still, we're left with disappointment. Yeah, at the end of the day, it is it is very disappointing. He only played, or he got injured in his third game back, I think pretty early in that game as well. And it was only his sixth game of the season. Mike, I got called a doomer, and I've brought this up a couple times, and I'll continue to bring it up. I was called a doomer for pointing out how these guys, the big three, are not always the most available. Not as much Devin Booker. He's he's the most available of the three. Kevin Durant's been really good this season, but Brad Beal, man, we made this move to get him in. What is talk talk me off the ledge here, Mike? Why shouldn't I just fucking take the leap right now? Chris, I don't know if I can do that, man. I mean, I'm in an emotional pretzel <laughs> right now. I don't know which way to lean in the way that I feel about this. But the biggest thing is you have to look at the track record for Bradley Beal the past, let's go back four seasons, right? Hasn't played over 60 games. That was the most he ever played in 2021, but he's had a litany of injuries. I mean, if you play the game long enough, basketball players will know this. You'll have these knacks, these nagging injuries that always kind of flare up. But He's had some stuff that has put him down for a long time. I mean, you go back to 2019 where he missed 25 games with a shoulder injury. Then early 2021, kind of towards the end of that season, he had a, a big-time wrist injury, which ended up forcing him to have season-ending surgery. And then last year, it was everything, it seemed like. A hamstring, a foot, a knee. And those are cause for concerns when you start from that, especially for a guy who literally signed a five-year, $250 million max in the summer and comes out in that first immediate year can't stay healthy in any type of way. Yeah. And it was the same thing here. Like, plays two preseason games, is down for the first seven with his back, comes, plays three games, out for three weeks. And now this thing that happened on Friday against the Knicks, it's a tough 
situation, it's a fluke type of injury, right? It's stuff that you can't really control. Dante DiVincenzo comes down in his landing area and he like folds his ankle. So I think Sham Serrania was sounding it's probably going to be another three weeks type of thing. It's going to be reevaluation in that time. But this is the issue that's going on with the Phoenix Suns right now. And it's not just injuries. It's literally the inability for these guys to figure out how to play together. Because the other factor that's coming into this, folks, is, yeah, Grayson Allen is missing this time over here. Now Eric Gordon's out. Kata Bates-Diop's missing some time. Like Guys are just missing too much to the point where practice time is not being utilized to really focus on the key things that you need to work on. And now they're having to use games to figure out how this thing is going to work. And it's showing consistently falling flat in the fourth quarter, not understanding how to bring the ball up in half-court traps. It's like we're out there going willy-nilly, still trying to figure it out, and we're past a quarter. So that's why I'm still in the pretzel, because yes, there's still positivity, there's still positive outlooks. Bradley Beal's injury, the x-ray was negative, so he should be back within those three weeks. But at that point, we're looking at almost halfway through the season, yeah. and we still haven't figured out how guys are supposed to play together yet. And right. that's a major cause for concern for me, Chris. I'm more so worried about the fact that these guys don't know the proper sets and proper ways to work together yet more than the injuries. Because that's what we saw with KD at the end of last year, right? You're right. And that's been the biggest story, and the biggest thing we've talked about is how can these guys get enough games together to build that camaraderie, build that chemistry, to be able to make a playoff push? I'll continue to say it. It's not so much about the regular season. It's getting to the postseason, being available, and having a record that at least gives you, I mean, I'd like a decent seating at the very least. But as long as we can get in and these guys can build that chemistry together, that's what's most important because at the end of the day, we just want to win a championship. We don't care what route we take to get there. But right now, it just the outlook seems so bleak when you have all these guys going out, not just the starters like you mentioned, but guys like um, Grayson Allen and Eric Gordon. It's detrimental to this team all around, and that's unavoidable. Like you said, it was a freak accident, the Bradley Beal, or, you know, unavoidable thing. It wasn't like he was just fucking around. It reminds me kind of like Kevin Durant in warm-ups a little bit where he just happened to step wrong and rolled his ankle. Like, that's not KD's fault. It's not the court attendance fall it was just it's just that shit what that's that's the shit that happens and Mike we've even said as guys who play basketball you more than me these days but um a rolled ankle is nothing to take lightly like that is something that you can easily re-aggravate if you come back too soon from it so I, I am fine with Beal taking the three weeks to get healthy but it's just it's so tough so disappointing but at the end of the day we're only we're not I don't think we're even a third of the way season maybe coming up on right about that no we're well we're past a quarter, past we're coming a quarter. up on a third. Yeah, yeah. So there, there. I'm, what I'm saying is, there's still plenty of time. If, if, like, if we end up going to the All Star break and coming out of it, and our big three are healthy for 85 percent of the rest of those games, we won't even remember or worry about what happened in November and December where Brad Beal was out. It'll be a thing of the past, and and it won't matter. But if this continues to be a story and Bradley Beal is still out, you know game in and game out and plays a couple games then he's out and then is out for three weeks and that's just unacceptable and you always have the concern and the worry of even if Brad Beal gets healthy what about Booker what about Durant like that can't be anything that's taken lightly I just it's it's troubling because 
Tallman, what do you what do you do with Bradley Beal? Like he has that no trade clause he brought with him from Washington. He signed through the 2025-2026 season with a player option for the 2026-27 season that gives him 57 million dollars. So there's no way wow. he's not taking that player option should he still be here. Like what do you do? You have to keep Brad Beal. Yeah, you you don't do anything with them. I mean, in a sense, you're not moving him. No one's taking him. But you also maybe don't want to because you don't. You got to give him a chance, right? He hasn't had a chance. He needs to get healthy. He needs to get right. And if you're you're just banking on him doing exactly that, and you know, kind of getting back to his to the Bradley Beal that we expected when this uh, when this trade went down, uh, it's I don't know. It's tough. I mean, even in the small small sample size that we have with him. Uh, you mentioned a very, very big point was what, what is his role going to be on this team? You also mentioned that he seems like he's scared to shoot the ball. He's just deferring right. to uh, to Booker and Durant, which, I mean, it makes sense. It's the first time he's on a team where he's not the number one guy. First time he's playing with true superstars, um, some of the best players in the league with Durant and Booker. So it makes sense that he's going to defer it, but he can't play 34 minutes and only shoot the ball nine times. That c- Come on, it, it's... You just can't do that. Yeah, no. Right? I, he needs. Go ahead. I was gonna say I want you to keep going there, but like just to piggyback off that and like double down. Like in that first game back against Brooklyn, Booker only think I think took one shot in the first quarter, and he, he had like he seven a, or eight assists. He, he didn't, didn't take, take a single, single one. shot in the first. Right quarter. there, you go. Yeah, so what's going on with so that? So Beal too? has <laughs> to shoot because Booker's gonna take the defense and that draw the defense. So Beal has to be pulling the trigger. Right, but Booker still asserted himself in other ways of the game. But that's not what we've seen from Bradley Beal just yet. It's a lot of him still trying to figure out where his place is. And when you can't play, you don't have a fucking clue how to do that. So, like, <laughs> exactly, it's just where we are right now, exactly. unfortunately. Oh, was, was that? What oh, I said? sorry, <laughs> I, I cut you off. I thought you were still rolling. We both cut you off. <laughs> oh, all right. Well, oh man, my train of thought is is uh, slowly lost right here. Um, okay, so yeah, he needs to shoot the ball more. And I mean, you, you mentioned I like that you added that Booker goes a whole quarter without making a single shot attempt. I mean, I, I still think he came back and scored 34 points in the game, right? But, I mean, these three guys, your big three, I mean, they got to be the big three. They got to shoot the ball all the time. And at this point, it's, you know, right when we thought, hey, we have our, we've been waiting all year for the starters to get back, right? And then now we're struggling where now we don't have the bench. So, I mean, and then you mentioned all the guys that have been out, Mike, but we also don't have Josh Kogi too. So it's just the the injury bug has been a real, real issue with this team. And it's unfortunate because I we don't get to see the full poten- uh, potential of this team. But, I mean, Beal is obviously the, the big one where uh, the guy's got to get back. You know, he's got to get right. We got to get these guys ready and get, you know, gelling together. Because right now it's just, it's been hard. I mean, what, we're 13 and 12? I mean, I, I don't. I had higher expectations for this team, and it, it has been disappointing to watch. You're not alone. And I gotta, you know, side with you too, Tallman. It's too early to be too much on the fence with Bradley Beal. We hope that he can come back and stay healthy to see how he truly fits within this, uh, this system and and what can come out of it. But right now, early on for this Phoenix Suns team, it's not just injuries as well. It's just uh, general lackadaisicalness the inability to close out games. I mean, 50 give up a 50 burger to Jalen Brunson where he goes 12 of 12 in the second half. Perfect from the field. That's like, you're not putting any kind of defensive pressure on him. And then once again, get killed in the fourth quarter, outscored 42 to 23 
it's crazy. A lot of people are starting to talk about, I thought Frank Vogel was the defensive guru, the the big man whisperer, and, and none of those things are coming into fruition right now. But that's also because nobody's playing where they're fucking supposed to play. <laughs> Nobody, yeah, yeah. It's just, it's a litany of chaos right now. And I do like also what you said too, Tallman, where the big three have got to dominate games, but you also have to have your backup guys do the little things and contribute because, you know, if they're going to focus their energy on three guys, we still have to have those knockdown shooters out, uh, you know, outside with now Chemezi met too. It seems like a little bit more Nasir little is getting into the mix some more. And then you obviously still have Grayson Allen and Eric Gordon. But the last thing that I'll say is, I think people need to be careful how they read into different comments that guys say. Because I don't know, did you guys see KD's comments after the game when he was talking about Brunson and how it seems like the Knicks are really giving him the leash and forcing things through him and seeing him as the focal point? And people were like, whoa, is he talking about why is he not having the chess pieces kind of go through him first so he can make the moves. And then we fold out after that, you know, you know what happened at start this season? That's what it was. You know what happened with that? We were not very successful. No, this is Devin Booker's team. We understand that. I would absolutely a hundred percent put my foot down and say that Kevin Durant understands that as well. It's just one of those situations where you go through a tough scenario, seeing your one guy where you were finally getting on the floor together, get hurt, and things start flooding into your head. I don't think he meant really anything about that. So it's it's still, at the end of the day, it's just way too early to go which one way or another. It's disappointing, to say the least, but like Tolman said, I mean, it's not even Christmas yet. Like, let's pump the brakes a little bit here, folks. <laughs> Absolutely. Mike, and like you were saying about the Cardinals last year, we got to be, you know, not too high, not too, low, Ooh, not on too the, low on the Phoenix Suns right now. I think they're doing just fine. But, you know, just remember, too, they're not spring chickens anymore. Aside Especially from Devin Kevin Booker. Durant. Yeah. Well, I mean, he's... he's... <laughs> Well, he's, he's has a, he's got some miles he's a on him. Springier now. chicken, a but. more springier chicken. That's a new one. He's a chicken in his prime. Um, I don't know. I I again, it's just gonna be interesting to see how this team can continue to grow with these injuries lingering and being in and out and being able to find that chemistry as they go on. The last thing I'll say is I just think it's interesting. Someone pointed out earlier this week that. It's it's funny if you really think about it. The guys who have the most chemistry on this team right now are the three that came over from Portland: <laughs> Drew Eubanks, Nazir Little, and Yusuf Nurkic. Like those guys have more experience playing together than anybody else on this team right now. And I mean, luckily for us, at least two of those three are pretty regular in the rotation. I don't know how much Little and Nurkic really interact when it comes to the the movement of the ball and everything, but they, you know, they gotta be at least be familiar with where they're at on the court. And Nurkic, like Mike and I talked about on past the outlet, he's been, um, or no, it wasn't past the outlet. It was the sun's recap. He's been consistently inconsistent where, you know, he'll have a great night. Um, and then he'll have a not so great night. And, it's it sucks because I, I have noticed when we were doing that a lot of his games where he's done really well we ended up losing ultimately and that's I wouldn't say that's through any fault of his own because we really lean heavily on our stars in Devin Booker and Kevin Durant specifically and lastly Mike just to touch on what you just said there about Kevin Durant like I totally agree with you he understands this is Devin Booker's team without a doubt he's made comments about him being our point guard and 
really wanting to take that second role rather than being the primary you know, b- controller, the ball handler, the scorer. He doesn't want to be the primary guy. He'd rather be the secondary guy at this stage in his career. And Devin Booker, like I said, is in the prime of his career. So why wouldn't you defer to him when he can be the guy that goes out there and puts up 30 to 50 any given night? You really don't know what you're going to get from Devin Booker. And aside from that, I really like what he's been doing uh, through the point guard role and distributing the ball. He had, like we said, seven assists, I think, in the first quarter of that game against Brooklyn and I and finished in double digits if I if I remember correctly and that's that's what you want to see when you have him being the primary ball handler and it was interesting though in that game I did notice Bradley Beal did bring up the ball a few times so they were kind of alternating but I'm fine with that as well but is there anything else you guys want to say about the Suns before we move on we're not going to talk about Draymond Green (laughs) (laughs) yeah I mean Nurkic is after his comments in the there's no the update on game. that, right? He's uh, he's out. He's indefinitely. suspended indefinitely. Yeah, which wow. said that brother yeah. needs help. Yeah, the, <laughs> uh, yeah, he's growing on me, man. That was that was hilarious. Nurkic, his English is a lot better than I thought it would be. I don't know why I thought it wouldn't be. Give the man. Some he's trip, probably been man. living here for a long. He has oh, been living. Oh, here for, for sure. I mean, he's been in the league for a decade now. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, so, yeah. I mean, that comment was around. funny. He took several shots at him. At, yeah. at green is it was, it was too good it, it's funny i will go back just a little bit chris the the one thing that you did say is you know nurkic has had some big games i think about the last two he's almost had 20 and 20 in each what happened we, we lost both we lost, of those yeah. games too but you can't tell me that draymond green did not have intent when he pulls a full 180 and swings through like we're not we're not dumbasses and that's why the nba kind of came down with you know, they're just trying to set a precedence now for getting this nonsense out. It seems like Adam Silver is. We saw it already just start with John Morant and now an indefinite suspension. I'd love to pull up the stats to see who else has ever really had something like that just from on court, you know, antics, I guess, if you wanted to say. But yeah, it, it's, it's crazy. The, the Golden State Warriors are for another conversation for another day. I'm sure <laughs> tune in to pass the outlet. We'll talk about their possible they're, demise. They're but cooked, man. The last thing for the Phoenix Suns, man, is just try and stay as healthy as you can going into the new year. We're going to have a big Christmas Day matchup against the Mavericks. That one's going to be fun no matter who's playing. You know those are always good matchups. But just continue to you know, put their best foot forward and – steady the ship it sucks because this is what we had to do all last year too when we had all the injuries and Mikhail Bridges seemed to be the only starter yeah you know into January so I guess we're gonna have to roll through that again inevitably Mike that seems to be the case but enough about the Phoenix Suns let's keep it pushing here and get into the Arizona Diamondbacks of course they're in their offseason Man, it's crazy how much we've been talking about the Diamondbacks since that incredible postseason and World Series run. But it's an exciting time, man, and I'm really, really happy we're able to, you know, be able to talk about them and be excited to talk about them. And they've been making some moves this off season. Of course, we talked about the signing or the trade for the third baseman. I kept calling him Eugenio Suarez, but I actually learned recently, guys, it's Eugenio Suarez. Love it. I, I should have known better. How dare you mess up his name. So I will not get that wrong going forward. Eugenio Suarez will be our third baseman. We also uh, we signed a pitcher, Eduardo Rodriguez. Uh, he was in Detroit last year. We'll get into that. But the breaking news that broke today on the 17th of December is that the Arizona Diamondbacks will be re-signing outfielder Lourdes Goriel Jr. 
to a three-year, $42 million contract, the details of which have yet to be released. We don't know if any of that's being deferred or not. $39.76 million deferred in 2030. And he gets one million each year and Chipotle twice a week. Chipotle on and the, the team. car service and the yeah. car service, all that jazz. Free hair dye, right? Exactly. Uh, like one percent of hair piece merchandise sales. <laughs> no, but it, uh, guys, are you? Uh, I'll, I guess I'll ask Tallman first. Are you excited to have Guriel back? Yes. I mean, come on. He was he was a big part of the team. Um, he had a lot of success. He had a good season, the best season of his career, um, and he did help this team uh, get to where ultimately they went last season, which was you know that run to the World Series. So he's he's also a fan favorite. Um, he was an All Star. He's a good he's a good uh, veteran presence in the lo- in the in the dugout. I almost said locker room. Um, so yeah, I mean, I it's not it doesn't hurt. It's great. It's great to have him back for. Is a fourteen million uh, average annually. That's that's not too bad. Um, that was about the numbers that uh, they're putting on him when uh, he was testing for agency. But I'm kind of curious what kind of went down with it because you know he posted the whole goodbye, you know, thank you Arizona thing. And yeah, I, I don't know if he just didn't have uh, the interest that he thought he would you know get from all the other teams, and ultimately he found himself uh, coming back home. To the D-backs for you know three years, forty-two million. Where I think they were putting on, uh, I think it was a, a three-year forty-five was what everyone was saying he was going to get. Mm. Uh, but obviously, we, we need him, right? You need that right-handed bat in the lineup. Uh, he's got some power. He's got some pop. Uh, I know we're going to probably bash him about his uh, his defensive ability in the outfield. In the outfield, no way. Uh, no, right. Even though he had a he has a great a- arm. According to ESPN, he had a great defensive season. Um, but yeah, the arm is the arm is the only knock against the guy, and uh, that's that's really it, man. I mean, when you're letting uh, God, what's his name? I just totally spaced on it. The Phillies lead off Kyle. When you're letting Kyle Schwarber. Uh, go from first to third on a on a ball to left field, and you can't throw him out at third base. It's it's just he's got to improve. He's got to get that arm strength up. And then you could also say a big weakness uh, for this D-backs team is all the outfielders' arms. You know, Carroll doesn't have a great arm. Uh, Thomas doesn't have an outstanding arm either. But it's good to have him back. It's somebody that somebody that uh, he fills a hole, and it's good to have somebody that was a big piece to your successful season last year back. In on this team, so I'm okay with it. I think it's great. Yeah, and honestly, I, I to your point earlier there, I wonder if, like you said, he went out to try and see what type of other offers he could get, and the D-backs might have had that offer on the table to begin with, and he went out to see what he could get, and he was either very similar or not as good, and he and he looked and he was like, well, I really liked playing for this team. It's the it's going to be basically the same group of guys next year, and we had just such a magical run. Like even if it was maybe a few million less, that could I could maybe that could have influenced it. Maybe we'll hear about that, but. Mike, I'm curious. Like, are you excited to have Guriel back? Just to ask you the same question. There, you know what? I am. I am excited. I remember when we were doing our Diamondbacks season review, when that first notice had basically came out about him seeming like he wasn't going to be back. I was like, you know what? That's a tough break because we were just getting to really kind of love the guy, and right. he had a career high in games at 145, career high in homers at 24, and wins above replacement at 3.0. So. He had an, a stellar year, and he was kind of that 
castaway in the Dalton Varshow trade. Mm-hmm. So to get such a great return where Gabriel Moreno is your catcher of the future, you know, a golden glove kind of guy every single season and to have a contributor in the outfield. And, and like Tom was saying, yeah, it's just the noodle arm. That's really it. He, he can makes, track balls. He right? can track balls. He makes some great outfield plays. He just—he's not the slowest guy. Relays no, the no. Best. I mean, he, he used to play infield, and he was such a liability in infield. That's when he flexed the outfield. But I just, oh, man, I—he's got to get that arm strength up. It's bad. Yeah. What do you do? How do you improve that? Bigger weights. You hit the gym, Michael. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess you just have to practice it more. And I don't know, yeah. like, how he's gotten this far in his career and hasn't improved that area of his game. You know? Right. But I think a big lost art in sports in general is building a team camaraderie for years to come and taking the steps together instead of just trying to pick pieces here or there the diamondbacks have been doing that with absolute necessary needs right our third baseman we struggled all year long evan longoria wasn't going to be the future piece for that so it was time to start making the adjustments there you go into the playoffs with a three-man rotation. We're going to talk about Eduardo as well. So they're doing those kind of things. And to bring back Lourdes to stay within this lineup, you are going to have multiple weapons that you can kind of pick and choose where guys get to play. I mean, maybe he goes at the DH spot because Tommy Pham isn't there. He can play more so, you know, two out of three games through a series Jake McCarthy plays out in the field as well you're gonna have a lot of options now it seems like and from what Ken Kendrick and Mike Hazen have already kind of said out to us is like we're not done spending is it is it done now because of this signing but you know we just don't know that yet but yeah man bring the purple hair crazy man back let's go (laughs) let's get it waving out there again yeah, honestly, and, and the more I've thought about it today, there weren't really any other options out there, I think, within our budget and that we had our eye on to pair with this team. And no one better than a guy who already knows the culture of this locker room, knows his teammates, and has had a chance to build camaraderie with that. I mean, I know in baseball, it's not exactly the same as basketball as far as team chemistry goes, but there is a factor to it, especially, I'd imagine, when it comes to just the overall demeanor in the locker room. The more familiar you are with guys, the more comfortable you are, and that's got to translate to the game at, at some capacity. Uh, would I be off base in saying that? Tom? No, you're absolutely right. And like uh, like Tori said it during their postseason run, a connected team is a fucking dangerous it's fucking one. Dangerous. So, <laughs> and he's absolutely right. I mean, those guys they're they're all in. You know, everyone's everyone's all in. Everyone wants to win. Everyone wants to be the best. And you know, it's 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 great because it's it worked out for them. All these kids are are breaking out, and we're and we got to give everyone a front row seat to you know what special talent we do have on this baseball team you know and i i bet you five five six years down the road we're not going to be able to afford to keep all these guys you know that's how confident i am in (laughs) in some of this talent so uh, but yeah no it's it's a big it's a big deal when everyone's connected they're dangerous and everyone's got each other's back and they have the same goal so it's it's great that that culture and it starts it starts with Tori Lovello. I mean, he's he's a player's coach, man, a player's manager. So everyone loves to play for that guy. And, you know, he did a great job building that culture in that dugout. So it's, it's good. It's good to have Gurriel back. 
Yeah, and exactly along those lines, like when you have that in a team and an organization, it makes guys want to be here even more. And the happier players are, the better the product will be ultimately. I I am interested though, like you guys mentioned, uh, are they done spending? Like you said, Mike, are they are they gonna bring in another piece or two? They did sign Eduardo Rodriguez, like we mentioned, he was out of Detroit. A uh, big uh, key uh, story from his signing was that last season around the trade deadline, he blocked a trade that would have sent him to the Dodgers. So he didn't want to go to the Dodgers, but he signs to another NL West team in the Diamondbacks. Mike, you, you have some uh, some uh, information on Erod, right? Oh, baby, sign me up even more to hop on the Eduardo Rodriguez train. Let's get it chugging. <laughs> Let's go. He wanted, the Dodgers. To, he wanted to come here to attack them and freaking Shohei Otani. But yeah, I mean, 30-year-old lefty. He spent his first six years in Boston and the last two in Detroit, like Chris said. His best season was in 2019, where he was 19-6, and six, threw over 200 innings. And then last year was 13-9 and nine with a 3.3 ERA. Pretty good. Uh, we were looking at kind of what his stuff is because we're not as versed with him, but looks like he throws a fastball around 90 to 94 with a changeup and a slider for that change of pace. He's going to slide right in at that third rotation spot. I love that you get you know, a change in pace with the lefty because mm-hmm. then you push Brandon Fott to the four and probably have Tommy Henry, another lefty in the five. I think there's there's still going to be some changing wheels in regards to that. For sure. But he's also a guy who's won. He won a World Series in 2018 with the Red Sox. So he knows what it takes to get it done, is a veteran within this league, and is that arm that we just needed. We needed to figure it out earlier rather than later and see you know if he's a guy that's going to fit in with this clubhouse and and I'm very excited to get him on the mound for the first time maybe we go to that game you know the first series of the year as well (laughs) but I know there were some rumblings about people worried about well is this another Madison Bumgarner situation where it is kind of a, a high profile pay stub at the end of the day but for the influx of cash that this team had and for the opportunities that they were given in order to get an arm in this rotation again I think they did it justice and it's not going to be something that we're going to be regretting down the road I don't think so either and and like you mentioned to pair him with Zach Gallon and Merrill Kelly to have that third punch and Brandon Fott emerging as another guy who could be an up and comer in this rotation. It's just really now a question of that fifth spot. But Tom, I do want to give you a chance to kind of share your thoughts on the signing of Eduardo Rodriguez. Yeah, it's a good one. I, he wasn't really on my radar. Um, I, I was hoping for a Tyler Glass now trade, but you know ultimately we know where he ended up oh, right. in yeah. L.A. Because if, oh, you, if you look at that. yeah, if you look at the numbers, I mean, uh, what Erod's got it was four years, eighty million, twenty twenty million average, and then you have Glass now going over the Dodgers, signing a new deal, five years, uh, hundred and thirty million. So it's not too far off. Obviously, Glass now is more expensive, but he's more of that that bigger name. So I was hoping hoping for that, um, but he's a great addition, absolutely. And uh, I mean, he's he's a guy. He's not going to blow it past you. He's gonna he's gonna get you to swing and miss. Uh, he's got that that slider, thirty nine percent swing and miss rate on that pitch. So he's he's going to be a good fit into this rotation because you know 
yeah, we want we want the biggest biggest names all the time, right? Sign the best pitchers, blah blah blah. But we got to remember we have two of the best pitchers already on this roster. So he he complements that rotation very well. Um, and you guys, you you were mentioning how he kind of he blocked that trade of the Dodgers. His excuse. His excuse was he didn't. He just moved his family to Detroit. He wasn't going to go be gone away from his family all the time to play in L.A. So that's his excuse. But I'm I know deep deep it. down he's like, I'm not fucking selling out. I'm not going to play for the Dodgers. Fuck that team. So he's already high on my list. He's going to be a fan fan favorite just for his block of the Dodgers Dodgers trade, right? Uh, but no, this this is great. This is good news. Um, you you asked the question about is this team done spending? This team better not be done spending, right? Because <laughs> yeah, because yeah, the whole thing was you know we're we're gonna see maybe another starting pitcher. You know maybe you get someone low low on that free agent market that doesn't have a lot of uh, interest, and you get someone on a one year, two year, you know low low dollar deal to kind of come in and battle with uh with Nelson for the fifth spot. Um, but the whole idea also was you're gonna get you're gonna see at least two bats added. That was before Guriel. So Guriel's one of those. So now we're hoping maybe there's one more guy out there that they're gonna sign. Because um, the the question is who's gonna who's gonna be your DH, right? It was always Tommy Pham down the stretch late there last season, but. It would be great if we could see. You mentioned McCarthy, right? I'd like to see Jake McCarthy come back. I mean, the speed, if you had Thomas, Carroll, McCarthy in the outfield, that speed would just be unmatched. No one could match that speed in that outfield, right? Um, so if you could get, if we could find a way where Gurriel's your everyday DH, I would buy into that, right? Uh, so we're going to see probably one, one other guy come in. Uh, but, I mean, Another thing with Erod, when he was talking about when they did the whole conference with, uh, press conference where they announced him um, signing with the, uh, the Diamondbacks, he was mentioning how um, part of his interest in signing with this team was what they did last year. He said, "I, you know, I I came here because I want to win a World Series. I want to be a part of this group, and I can see what they're building, what they're working towards, and what they did last year. You know, I I want to be a part of it, and that's great. Where you have some of these higher end." We'll, we'll we'll say he's on the higher end of free agents, right? And you know he's an accomplished pitcher. This, yeah. He's good, so it's it's awesome to kind of sit here. It's kind of like the Suns, right? Why did KD want to come here? Oh, he wanted to come here to play with all the other talented players, and he wants to win. He wants to win a championship. So it's incredible that we can sit there and have guys like Erod say he wants to be here because of what this team's doing and what's going on in Phoenix, Arizona. So it's it's a great great uh. Great signing, absolutely, but this team's not done. One last comment. I'm sorry. The front office said um, this is going to be the highest payroll in D-backs history. Really? Yes. He said that. I think it was Hazen said that, so good. It better be the highest payroll <laughs> in team up, history. Man. Yeah, I mean, they were 20th out of 30 teams going into the playoffs last year at $127 million. So they're spending early. Hopefully they continue to spend often. I love it, baby. Let's go. I really would love to see them add one more piece. I think there's still some names floating out there. Some guys I've heard in the rumor mill that we could be interested in. But it's funny because it seems like all rumors lead to Los Angeles right now. It's like everybody is going to be signing with the Dodgers. And I don't want to rehash the insane Otani contract. Just if you've been living under a rock, he did sign that massive 10-year, $700 million deal with the Dodgers to have... 680 million of that deferred until the end of his contract so he's only going to be making 2 million a year 
given them plenty of room to make those deals like Tom had mentioned, sign, uh, trading for Tyler Glass now and uh, signing some other players as well. So we'll, we'll see how it all shakes out. Baseball, we got still, you know, not that long, but still quite a ways away. Uh, we got, I think, spring training and the pitchers and catchers report the end of February, middle to end of February. Then we'll have spring training in March and then we'll, we'll keep it rolling. But guys... There's plenty more to talk about, and we're finishing out the year. This is our last recording of the Heat Check podcast. It's been it's been a lot of fun to do these in-person recordings, but we want to ramp it up just a little bit. So next year, look forward to some changes and how we present this to you. So make sure you're keeping track of everything Valley Sports Plug is doing by following us at AZ underscore VSP on X, Instagram, TikTok, and Threads. If, if you're on threads, and then, of course, the big ones, Facebook and YouTube is where, where you can find uh, the majority of our content. YouTube, we love doing live streams for you. We put these podcast recordings out there for you, and that's really where the the bulk of our content is. And, and let us know in those comments what you think we got right, what you think we got wrong, what we could do better, and how we can present this Valley Sports information to you better. But, guys, enough of these boring plugs. Let's keep it rolling. Tallman. We don't get to talk enough golf on this podcast, man. No, we don't. I mean, it can be boring. So, I mean, and, and it how depends. do you, it's, we, we talk about Arizona sports? How do you? Well, okay, so then so we're, we're tying in people that went to ASU yeah, though so when we people, talk about golf. That's there you go. Exactly, you set me up perfectly there. Yeah, yeah. Uh, a guy who went to ASU from Spain, John Rom, recently made waves in the golf world by signing with Live Golf. The details of that uh, deal seem to be a little bit um, interesting, if maybe not fully verified. But you were saying something about like 350 million, 10 people on his staff and a private jet or something yeah, like that? Yeah, there's some reports that it's 300 million with uh, potential to get all the way up to 600 million. I saw another one say 450 million. Reportedly, yeah, he gets he gets one of the private Saudi, whatever, royal, whatever they call them, themselves over there. Uh, but he gets one of the jets to use for him and his family. Um, he gets up to a 10-person staff from um, his own personal secretary to chefs and whatever in between. So um, it is, it's quite, quite the deal. And, and he's always been a guy. He says he doesn't play golf for the money. So, but everybody has their okay. price, right? Everybody yeah. has their price. So Rom's coming out. I mean, and you're, you're probably seeing a lot of people real upset about it. You know, saying he's he's sold out, um, even though he's he's sat there and it could be a little hypocritical when he's saying he doesn't play for the money. You know, he wants to be in the the biggest tournaments and he wants you know he wants to go down as one of the best, right? It's all about legacy for him and still his and uh, his love for the game. So, but again, going back to it, everybody has their price, and his whole point is, you know, it's he he's got to think about his family. You know, and then when someone's over here saying, "Hey, I'll, even if it's even if the deal's only three hundred million, he gets half of it before he even plays an event." So here you go. You know, he's with them for I think four or five years was the contract, but he gets one hundred and fifty million dollars up front before he even plays in a single event for Live Golf. So he's thinking about his family and his kids, and I mean that's that's generational wealth, right? That's something that he came out and he said, I, I, I couldn't do this, right? I'd be doing my family a disservice if I didn't, you know, uh, accept and make the jump to live and, and take this deal. It's it's too good, right? You can't pass it up. Uh, but another thing with his his whole point was, um, 
you know, he, he won the Masters, right? The, just this past this past Masters this year. So he gets all those majors exemptions. And if you remember, um, all the majors uh, are not part of PGA, their normal PGA Tour schedule. So all the live guys can play in all the major tournaments. And he's got he's exempt. I think he can play in all those majors for the next 10 years. So he's going to be over playing in all the live, live events, you know, getting paid major money. And he can still play all the major tournaments where he wants to still be, um, you know, build towards the legacy. And I, I, you can't hate the guy for it. Um, he's got the third biggest sporting contract in history. And for a moment there, when it all happened, he had the second biggest contract <laughs> until, uh, you know, huh, some funny. guy from Japan had to get $700 million for 10 years. So uh, you can't hate him for it. But, man, did that just make a huge, huge splash in, uh, in all of golf land. It's, it's crazy. It, it is. It honestly is pretty crazy because he's not alone either. Like people can criticize John Rahm, but he's joining Sergio Garcia, Dustin Johnson, Brooks Kepka, Bubba Watson, Ian Poulter, Phil Mickelson, another ASU alum. And that's just to name a couple. There's plenty of other former PGA Tour guys that have signed with Live Golf. Bryson DeChambeau. DeChambeau, yeah, that's another guy I should I should have written on the list. That's another huge name in golf. And if anyone doesn't know um, and, and is listening, Live Golf is like the tour that popped up. It's uh, Saudi-backed, Saudi Arabia, all their all their money out there started this golf tour to rival the PGA. And Tom and I think I don't know if I think you were mentioning it there, but the, they're merging, right? And in, in the in the coming years, they're going to be merging into one tour, or are they going to run parallel to each other? So it's so okay. So you have Greg Norman over here, the shark. Um, he's the uh, the I think the president or commissioner or something for live I, I forget what his what his actual title is so he's sitting claiming that live will always be its own it'll not they will not come together he said live is going to continue to be its own separate thing right so i think what it is it's it's all and i, I want to say there's still there's still um the negotiations and discussions happening and i think before the end of the year we're going to hear exactly how this is all going to play out but it's about who's funding what. So the PGA is trying to find money to be able to compete with Live. So PGA has been talking to um, a couple uh, uh, North America franchise or uh, team owners of some of the major sports. Like I, I, f- I should have uh, pulled up the list of the guys that are talking. I think um, I'm not even tr- going to try to guess. But you know some of the rich dudes that own, yeah. <laughs> uh, you know uh, the basketball teams, hockey teams, and all that. Um, so they're trying to get funding on their own uh from uh from those guys to be able to have bigger purses pay these players more to prevent people from jumping ship over to live so it's but i think there's more details still coming but it's going to be um the whole deal was uh the private investment fund that's what it is right Mm-hmm. For the, the, the yeah, 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 yeah. So they were gonna they were gonna fund a lot of this, but the PGA was gonna still have control of how everything happened or how it's all planned out. They would st- still uh, operate under the PGA name, um, and they'd they'd still be able to operate however they wanted. But you'd have the Saudis back here, you know, basically being the silent partner, owning a lot of it, and basically funding all these larger purses and elevated events and all that well well, and within that though like the the live golf tour guys would be able to play in pga events and vice versa right is that part of it i believe that's that's what it was yeah and that and that's mutually beneficial yeah the 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 dp tour as well which is the european tour i think that was all grouped in as well so basically it was going to be 
all the professional golf would be up operating under not the same name but the same type of umbrella like competition yeah, exactly basically. Yeah. yeah no i think and i think that makes sense and it, it does kind of suck that it's so fragmented right now because the pga was the premier name it's like it was literally like the nba or the nfl of golf it's like that's the best in the world and now to have it kind of fragmented off is i can see the argument for it being bad for the game um but michael benjamin big golf guy i just want to i just want to bring yeah. you in here real quick um, you were talking about this, I think, on a recent stream about how these billionaires treat these sports teams and organizations and franchises like trading cards, I think is what you said. Are you – was that not you? No, that wasn't me. But Okay, maybe that was actually – I think that might have been uh, the other – Tallman 2. I think um, Matt might have been making that Tallman point. Tallman 2. Someone, I don't remember who it was, so credit to whoever said it, but they, the, the billionaires treating these – um, te- sports teams and now I guess golfers like trading cards and in how they invest in them. What do you think? I guess just if you want, you can speak specifically about the golf here, but just more broadly for sports, like are you okay with that being the case and having all this money thrown around? Yeah, because I think at the end of the day, the investment is supposed to go into the players because that's what people are watching, right? I'm not uh, as nice as the courses are or, you know, the the people that back it should be getting paid as well right it sounds like there's enough funds to go around but you got to pay your people who are doing the tasks and performing to bring in the eyeballs so i don't know fellas it sounds like john rom's deal might be the best sporting contract in like history i don't even (laughs) care about numbers you just have to factor in all the other things the money up front and the ability to go and play in the Masters and the big-time PGA events still. And like you said, it coming down the line, guys will be able to swap back and forth. But I think it's okay to have them merge together as well. And this is just strictly from sitting back as an observer, right? Why wouldn't you want to have more events that are of high profile where you have the best of the best playing in? Because that's how you grow the game, right? If you have more leagues and have more people's eyes on different aspects, then when that big tournament comes around, you're going to have eyeballs like you've never seen before. True. So then that's going to bring in even more money and more money gets to get passed around. But I know there's been a lot of controversy when it comes to live and that kind of stuff. I'm not well-versed enough to really speak on that. But at the end of the day, I mean, kudos to John Rahm, man. Like I said... That might be the tippity top. It is man. impressive. Yeah. Hey, yeah, I mean, get your bag, John Rom. And I wanted to circle back to that as well. So I'm glad you ended on that, Tallman. You mentioned like he's got to do what's best for his family, which I totally agree with. I would have done the same thing if I was John Rom. Not everyone can be fucking Mike Ross turning down Charles Forsman. It just doesn't always happen like that, right, Tallman? <laughs> was that a fucking suits reference? It might have been. Oh man. <laughs> No, oh, so John Rom, but funny. he's leaving the PGA at really like the height of his success in that tour. He, like you mentioned, him winning the Masters last year, he was number three ranked in the PGA Tour rankings, and so it is. It it really is a big blow to the PGA, and it's funny because I don't know. Like, do you know Tallman how their contracts are structured in the PGA? Are they the, their top players aren't getting this guaranteed money like the live golf no. guys are, right? No, no, I I don't believe they are. So this is it's crazy when. You know, you have the, all these golf. That why do you think so many of them went over in the first place? You had guys that aren't big names that they're they're saying, "Hey, I can go win one live tournament because the purses are so much bigger." Yeah. So the guy can win one 
Live tournament and win six million dollars. And he, he said, said, "I've been playing in the PGA for granted. Maybe I've I've never won a tournament, but I've been playing for six, seven years, and that's more that I've ever made in my entire career playing on the PGA because I'm making two hundred thousand here and that. So it's mm-hmm. it's it's a no brainer for him. But I I no, I, I don't think they're getting that guaranteed money. Where I mean, you're gonna you're gonna throw me over a check for one hundred fifty million, John Rom, before I even go swing a golf club." Under a live, uh, no a live banner, yeah, yeah. exactly. Great. There's still a lot of details to come out. It's how how they're gonna exist together. Is live actually gonna stay a thing? Because of course, Greg Norman's gonna say, yeah, it's gonna stay and remain its own thing. Because if they end up merging and live goes away, Greg Norman doesn't have a job anymore. He's burned every bridge there possibly could be. So. I don't know. It's it's going to be interesting. There should be some more information coming out before the end of the year, but ultimately, it's you know John Rom got a hell of a deal. He he really did, and and props to him, man. Like it will be interesting to see how it all shakes out. Uh, last thing I want to say on the on the live and this whole thing is Solomon. I got to ask you: Have you watched any live golf tour events? I haven't. So that's why I'm asking. I, no, um, I. I, I haven't. Like, what's the audience like? Is what I'm wondering. It's so, like I, I see a lot of I when I do watch golf, it is PGA events. Still. Yeah, so it's you know P- PGA is more sophisticated, right? Um, there's one. Uh, I think it was actually Brooks Kepka's brother Chase. Um, there's one video that went viral where he hit a hole in one on a par three, um, and it was all it was kind of like uh, the atmosphere of the par three. What they're trying to replicate when all these live events, what it appears is kind of like what they do at uh, the the Phoenix Open, the Waste Management mm, Open. It's like a party. So tour. when he, yeah, when he hit that part, the hole in one on the part three, like, like uh, you pull up the video. I mean, there's everyone's throwing their drink onto the onto the green or the hole, like going crazy. But it's it's a different style because when they're playing golf, they're blasting music. You know, it's 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 not like a hey everybody be quiet. It's it's more. It's more for the fans to have fun. It's a different. So type. trying to make it more of like a modern. Yeah, exactly. Golf and it, it also has the team structure. You know, all the big guys have their own team. That was also part of uh, John Rom's deal. Is he's going to get his own team and he's going to get shares and ownership of the team? What do you mean by team? Like uh, it's team golfers. golf. Yeah, oh, that's uh, the whole structure of Liv is. Yeah, yeah. So oh, okay. Phil's got his own team. Uh, Shambo's got his own team. Kepka's got his own team. I think Garcia's got his own team. So they're on their own team, and they have uh, three or four golfers with them. So when you go play an event, it's it's all point based, and at the end of the year, the team blah blah blah. You know, so it's oh okay. yeah. So they're so all golfing individually in the tournaments, but then their score gets tallied as a team. Yes. Yeah, so oh, it's okay. yeah, it's team golf. It's it's that's not my favorite. I mean, it's it's. <laughs> That's like Ryder Cup, but year round, right? Yes, kind of like that. Yeah, <laughs> but it's so it's it's a little it's a little different. It's a different structure. They only play uh, uh, fifty four holes um, instead of the normal seventy two. So, so is that three it's days? only three days. Okay. Yeah. So it's, it's it's shorter. So it's like all these guys are getting paid more money to go play less golf. Like incredible. <laughs> I mean, it doesn't no make brainer. Any sense. Like I said, yeah. no brainer. Yeah, absolutely. So, but I haven't watched any of them. Um, there was a live event actually in Tucson, and I was going to go with my dad, but uh, that would been cool. It was. I think the tickets were like forty bucks, but huh. yeah, we ended up not going. Maybe next time. Maybe <laughs> yeah. maybe next time they're in Arizona, even if it is in dirty ass fucking Tucson, we'll we'll make the trek down they there. They have some really nice golf courses down there, man. Oh yeah, there's that's, some nice. Parts. That's where Phil plays a lot down there. Yeah, I, I yeah, don't know. Well, that. Phil Mixon, another ASU guy, right? Well, it's funny. I guess while we're on the topic of golf, and I do have one more golf 
topic to discuss with you. But it was funny because I was seeing on uh, the social medias this week, there's videos of people that are golfing in colder parts of the country. And it's showing them like um, trying to clear the snow out of their line where they're putting with their putter. And I watched this guy, like, he cleared, like, this, it was, like, a pretty mean arch. Like, he thought his putt was going to curve, and then he hits it, and it just goes straight, straight into the yeah. snow. <laughs> but I was just laughing, because I was like, you know, that's, maybe this is why everyone moves to Arizona to golf, because you can golf year-round, and you may be in the, if you golf at, like, six in the morning, you have a little bit of frost on the green, but you're never going to have snow on the green. No, no, exactly. And then, it, you got to think, too, about how hard the green is. It's frozen solid. Oh, It'd be, like, fast yeah, you're 100 boy. yards out, you're trying to land... Uh, a pitching wedge on uh, the middle of the green, it'd be like trying to stop it on concrete, man. You can't play. It's just flying. It's just yeah. frozen. It's, it's so hard. too, yeah. Yeah, it would bounce. It's, yeah, so it's definitely Arizona is number one for golf. I mean, why do you think we have so many damn golf courses out here? No, absolutely. And finding a white golf ball in the snow, forget about oh, yeah. it. <laughs> Even if they do, like, find a way to, like, clear it or whatever, yeah, no, just plow it, yeah. I, don't, I don't see how that works out, so... Golf in the Midwest and the East Coast probably uh, coming to an end for the season until we hit springtime. But in Arizona, you can golf all through the winter, and it's the most expensive, but it is pretty enjoyable. It's real nice weather. So hopefully we get out there, Tallman. But another golf topic we want to talk about, we saw the, I think, what was it, the PNC Championship this this last weekend. And uh, it's uh, we found through some research, it's like a father-son tournament. It's a pairing, a group thing. And so there were some big names out there. Tiger Woods was playing with his son, Charlie Woods. John Daly was playing with his son, uh, John Daly II, not a junior. Got to be clear about that. And uh, what would you say, just, not Justin Thomas? Yeah, Thomas. It was Thomas. Was dad. it playing with his dad? Yeah. Um, so that's all pretty cool. Um Woods and Daly, they each they both finished tied for fifth with a minus nineteen on the scorecard. This was, I think, a three day turn or two day tournament. It was just two days, um, but it was really cool seeing some of the clips that came out of that of Tiger playing with his son Charlie, who's fourteen. He's going to be fifteen next year. Uh, honestly, a lot. It's it's really. I don't know quite what the word is, but it's cool to see how similar Charlie is to Tiger and how much he's really picked up probably from watching his dad and learning from him and playing with him. Like a lot of the mannerisms are the same, even down to their post round interviews. They're, they're saying similar things. Like it was a lot of fun out there. The competition was good. Uh, Tallman, like what do you, what do you think about the future of golf when you're seeing guys like Charlie Woods and Tom Daly, the second, I'm sorry, John Daly, the second. I think it's, it's got a very bright future. I mean, Tiger Woods is one of the most famous, popular, you know, beloved athletes across every every type of sport. I mean, the way that he took, you know, the golf scene by storm and how dominant he was, it's just unmatched by any of the golf greats. I mean, he is he's the goat. He is the he's the Tom Brady of golf. And true. I mean, you go out to this this P, the PNC Championship. I mean, everyone wants to go see Tiger Woods play. I don't blame him. I mean, even though he's, you know, not as competitive, he's old, he's got so many injuries, um, he's only planning to play, you know, one tournament a month. Um, this, you know, coming up right now in the PGA. But, I mean, to have his kid come in, and his kid is, he's going to be a stud, dude. And I have no doubt that if he comes in and he, you know, he can compete and he can be good, he's going to be one of the big names up there in the next 10 15 years he's gonna be he's gonna be the man I'd, I'd bet on it no I wouldn't doubt it I mean give him give him two three more years like I could see him being 17 years old and playing on the tour and 
obviously I don't know what his plans are as far as maybe finishing out his traditional education and maybe playing in college or you something know his like that. plans are to play professionally he he probably he's tiger woods kid honestly man, you know? right he could he can just go and not to mention even if he never plays golf in his life that could set up for the rest of his life he doesn't even have to oh, absolutely step yeah. on a tee box or go to school tiger or woods a billionaire <laughs> man he's a billionaire yeah. as long as he doesn't have to give all of his money away to all of his girlfriends he'll be okay Ooh, <laughs> Ooh. i'm just i'm just kidding but Mike, uh, what do you think about it? Does Charlie Woods excite you for the future of golf and maybe capturing your interest a little bit to tune in? Oh, he's got me on the bandwagon. Let's go. Yeah, he's a freshman at Benjamin School in Palm Beach, Florida. He actually grew four inches over the past year. So this kid <laughs> wow. is just Ooh, wow. he's filling right taller. into the shoes of his father, <laughs> man. But I know we saw some cool plays from him, too. I mean, he was consistently driving over 300 yards. He had that 321-yard drive on the par four that went over the green. Holy Did you guys shit. see that? No. no. Holy cow. I mean, his club speed sits right between 115 and 120 miles per hour. And, yeah, they had a nice showing in that first round. They shot at 8 under 64 at the Ritz-Carlton Golf Club in Orlando. So I think you guys need to take back your – um, comments about me not being a golf guy. <laughs> Man, look at me bringing the goods. Oh. No, I'm, but it, I, yes, it brings its excitement, um, a fresh new face to the golf game. And, you know, there's there's just something about people wanting to see what children of high-profile athletes can bring on their own, right? There's always a little bit added interest, I would say, when it comes to those guys. Because... You know, selfishly, unfortunately, most of the times we're thinking, hey, can they live up to what their father was able to do? Absolutely. Yeah, like LeBron's in that kid. time frame. Yeah. So it just, it definitely Marvin adds Harrison more Jr. intrigue. Yeah. His dad's a Hall of Famer. Yeah, it just, it adds a lot more intrigue at the end of the day. And it's, you know, you're going to be keeping more of a pulse on it when it comes to people like that. So excited. Let's roll. He's just. 14 years old and he's hitting it over 300 yards yeah no and it's and I, I get lucky if i could hit it 230 I, i'd say i i get where you, like mike you're absolutely right as far as like tiger woods is the greatest golfer probably of all time in a lot of people's books if not everybody's book so when you're talking about the greats and their children is different than like former players and their children because like right now we're sitting here watching the cardinals game and christian mccaffrey is the son of ed mccaffrey who wasn't a slouch playing for denver in his career but Christian McCaffrey is becoming a, a all-time great right before our eyes and a future Hall of Famer if he keeps this pace without a doubt. So it's there's not it's not like there's no precedent for athletes kids becoming good themselves or even potentially surpassing their parents, but it's much it's a much higher bar when you're t- comparing a Tiger Woods to an Ed McCaffrey. Obviously, I know that, but it, at the end of the day, as I pose the question, it is exciting for I think for me for the future of golf to see these young players and these legacy guys coming up and just the game growing overall. I I mean, Tallman, even just since you've gotten me into the game as we graduated high school like 10, 11 years ago, whatever it was now. Um, to age myself there. I, that's when I really got into golf. I didn't play at all until I think was 17, 18 years old. You took me out there. And it's taken me about a decade to even be 
I wouldn't even say I'm decent. Like I'm not a par golfer. I I'm not a good golfer at all. But I can it's actually a really hard game. But I can actually play the game now. And it took me about ten years to play the game. But that's a, that's aside the point. Not talking about myself. Just seeing a lot more people being interested in golf. Seeing a lot more people out on the course. The stigma around it is it kind of being like a nerdy or a dorky sport. I think is completely out the window. You see so many pro athletes just play golf in their in their off season. From Steph Curry to J.R. Smith going back to college and playing on their team. Like golf is cool now. So for these guys to be coming up in a time when golf is becoming cool and you talk about the live golf adding some swagger to the game with their presentation of it, honestly, I think I think golf has a pretty bright future and not to derail it too much and maybe transition into the next topic, but we did just have our top sports moments of 2023 podcast on a VSP roundtable we did this last Thursday. Really exciting. We landed ultimately on LeBron James becoming the all-time scoring leader. Uh, in the NBA as the top sports moment of 2023. I think surely because that is just something that doesn't happen every year. It's a once in a lifetime generational thing. Like I couldn't name another player who's active right now or coming up that I think would even come close to reaching that point in their career. LeBron James, what he's doing at 38 in I think what the 16th or 17th, 18th year of his career is just absolutely unprecedented. Um, but when we talk about games expanded, we also mentioned the F1 coming back to Las Vegas and how like F1 could start being popular. We talked about soccer. Is soccer becoming more popular in the United States? There's so much sports saturation in the marketplace now. It's just going to be very interesting to see. But as I say, we're transitioning to talk about 2023, and we talked about those top sports moments. I just I want to take the last bit of this podcast here, our last heat check podcast of the year, for us to kind of just reflect on the Valley sports and the top, or maybe some of our favorite moments of that 2023 season. I, I don't know. I'll toss it up to either one of you, whoever wants to hop on that first. And uh, what what was your guys' favorite sport Valley sports moment of 2023? I'll jump right in on this one. I think my favorite one overall, because if you guys know me and you're listening, basketball is my sport. So Kevin Durant finally getting traded to the Phoenix Suns is my number one overall thing. We talked for months and months about what could happen, what pieces might go somewhere else. And then when it finally came to fruition, and unfortunately we lost the twins, there was just a lot of great conversations that came about with it. So as far as an actual sports moment, that's probably my favorite one from this past year. But there's just been a lot of fun times we've had here at BSP incorporating some new things. I mean, I can just speak of what we've done over the past couple of roundtables and introducing some lists. And like we said, the top sports moment bracket, chatting it up with our friends and having some good conversations about what people think about this scenario and that scenario. And we also had our recaps, tried to do it big this year with the Phoenix Suns, had some really, really strenuous times with some of our playoff runs as well as we were doing some of those recaps every single day when I talk about the Diamondbacks as well. Um, I guess I, I won't take it. We'll see where Tallman goes with his favorite moment. And if it doesn't get brought up, then I'll jump back in. But yeah, just had so much fun this year talking about the teams we love and just man chatting up with my guys man that's what it's all about absolutely and of course you know what i'm gonna say the number one valley sports moment or moments was the diamondbacks yeah i mean come on i mean you go you can compete for a world series and just how this team was just catapulted 
to being a World Series or expected to be a World Series contender going forward. And just how this team had such a great start to the season and then it was just had a roller coaster of a season and then you get swept by the Astros going into the playoffs and then you you beat the you run through the wild card you sweep the Dodgers you embarrass the Dodgers so bad that they have to go out and sign Otani for 700 million <laughs> just to just to compete with you guys right all this just to stop Corbin Carroll that's it's right crazy. small market what so and then you go and then that Phillies that Phillies series was probably a a top 20 playoff series in, in baseball history. It's got to be. I mean, you have a Diamondbacks team. You go back to Philadelphia, such a harsh environment, and you rip off two in, two in a row in Philly to go to the World Series. It was incredible. Yeah, obviously, ultimately, we get to the World Series, and you know we didn't pull out. We lose to the Rangers. But, man, just how – it just makes you think of how, um, how a sports team can bring – a community together, how Phoenix was just so fired up and excited for this team. It's just like when the Suns were running for, uh, went to the finals. So it's incredible uh, what that team was able to achieve. It's got to be that because it was so unexpected. It is the Diamondbacks World Series run. I, you know, Tom, and it's hard to disagree with that. Mike, I think what you said it definitely has merit. You know, the, the signing of Kevin Durant was huge, especially how we tracked it and tracked it. And we talked about it. We even have a TikTok up on our page about us saying Kevin Durant, Kevin Durant, Kevin Durant, because we were talking about him so much. And it was from the previous offseason leading up all the way to the trade deadline. For me, that was just like you even said, that is a very bittersweet moment to get rid of Mikel Bridges and Cam Johnson, two beloved players here. We talked earlier about their return and they got a standing ovation. Those guys are loved here. But Kevin Durant is a huge name and a huge signing and a massive Valley Sports moment. Honestly, though, I I might lean towards Tallman as far as if I if I had I will pick I will pick a third moment that I thought was a great one of my favorite Valley Sports moments. But I would piggyback off Tallman. Like, I think the Philly series was my favorite. Like, I honestly I dropped to the floor and like couldn't believe the fact that we were heading to the World Series. That was insane. And when we won a World Series game, that was also insane. I think we were. We could have been more competitive with that Rangers team. I think it was just a few things that didn't go our way. Maybe some nerves. And it's tough because they did lose Adolis Garcia. And I think that's when a lot of us, our, our eyes perked up and we're like, holy shit, we might have a chance. Like they've gone through their two best starting pitchers. Adolis Garcia is injured. Like, what can we do? But man, Corey Seager and that that group of guys just fucking buried us, man. And it was it was tough. It was tough and heartbreaking. But at the same time, it only took a couple days for me to get over that, you know, because just the, the run was incredible. And the optimism for the future is something that has us talking about the Diamondbacks in December when I don't think we were doing that a year ago. Not at all. So if though, if I had to pick an, a third moment, as far as Arizona sports that I think was significant, and maybe one of my favorites would be kind of the the new beginning for the Arizona Cardinals. They they let go of Steve Kime. They cut ties with him. They fired Cliff Kingsbury, and they made some hirings where they got Jonathan Gannon, who you can say what you will about him. I've been back and forth. I'm still up and down. I'm still not 100% sure where I am with Jonathan Gannon, but say what you will, he was a defensive coordinator for a Super Bowl team and a really good Philadelphia Eagles team. And he came over and brought a young staff with him in Drew Petzing and the defensive coordinator Nick Rallis those guys I think have a lot of potential and I I think it says a lot about Michael Bidwell to give the reins to such a young group like that 
uh, trusting in Monty, Monty Austin for it as well. A lot of great moves were made in the draft as far as getting draft capital for future drafts, understanding, I think, that we weren't going to contend this year. So while we're not tanking, which I'm very excited to see, actually, I fully expected a tank year, and I think a lot of us wanted that, maybe to try and get a number one spot, especially with the prospect of having number one and number two at the onset of the season, with the Texans being projected to finish so low. But the Texans are overachieving... And that's an understatement, even to say that they're overachieving. I know they lost today, and that's good for us. Or no, they won today, actually. Won I'm sorry, today, they pulled yeah. it out against the Titans. Excuse me. So they're like 8-4 and four now. That's absolutely insane. 8-6. 8-6? and six. Eight and six? Yeah. 8-6. Yeah. and six. yeah, we're later in the season than I thought. So, But they're on pace to be competing to, I think, win that division, if I'm not mistaken, which is just absolutely insane to me. But besides the fact... I. It, the moves the Cardinals made, I think, was a good highlight for 2023, just to show the changing of the guard, a new chapter. And while this season is kind of a throwaway one, I hope that they can make some more progress in 2024. Again, I don't expect them to even be playoff contenders next year, guys. Let's be completely honest. But to start to build on that as Kyler Murray enters the year where he's finally getting paid under his new contract, there's still a lot of questions to be asked, but that's that's got to be one of my top moments. I was going to say, that was the other one. If nobody said it, I was going to make sure to say that. Hopefully, Kling's, Klingsbury. 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 <laughs> Hopefully, Cliff stays in Thailand after his dreadful season that he had with USC. <laughs> Steve Kime, don't let the door hit you on the ass on the way out once again. I mean, it finally seems like his media tour is done and gone with. So, good riddance. Let the new era thrive and shine. Give them the keys to the car, and let's drive this in the right direction. 100% with you on that, Chris. 100%. Nowhere to go but up for the Arizona Cardinals, and very excited for all of the Valley sports teams going forward into 2024. It's going to be very interesting to see, and that's not even to mention what's going on in college football and ASU joining, what is it, the Big 12? Big 10. Big 10, excuse me. Um, but there's gonna be more than ten teams. It's, it's interesting. It will, <laughs> it's gonna be like eighteen. Gonna gonna be get, gonna be plenty to talk about with that. But guys, I think we're nearing the end of our very last heat check podcast of 2023. So I guess I'll ask Tallman first. Is there anything, any closing thoughts you have on this year or the Valley in general? Sorry, uh, no. Just uh, we kind of pretty much hit on it. Um, excited for next year baseball. Um, just hoping the Suns can figure it out, man. I mean they're once football season's over, that's all all we're gonna have. Yeah. You know? Well, I shouldn't sell the Coyotes short when they they're kind of putting together a pretty good start to the season right now. But uh, we that's hockey though. Um, <laughs> but yeah, no, it's excited to see what twenty twenty four brings and some of the changes uh, we're gonna see at Valley Sports Plug as well. Without a doubt, and Mike, I think we have like a giveaway or something going on next uh, year. Pump the brakes, Chris. Pump the brakes. We're almost there. But we're going to keep the carrot dangling for the people. But I just got to give a shout out to some people, man. All of our good friends who have been contributors this year. I mean, I'm talking about Raymond, Nico, Ben. Congrats on the new baby joining the world. Ian, Matt Tallman, freaking version two of T-Man. <laughs> T2, baby. OG, since he is older than you, Tallman. No, no, uh, no drag on you there, but, you know. Man, everybody who's hopped on the live streams joined us too. Ray Taylor over from Slam Ball. Man, it's been a fun year. I can't wait to go into 2024 with some new ideas, some fresh content, and just keep growing this thing out because 
this is a niche market. We understand that. There are platforms that do cover the valley, but I think that it doesn't hurt to have more voices. And we want to be a voice for the people who can still contribute and really flesh out how we bring this to people. And that, and that's what we're all about here, man. I know one of the conversations we had is, what's our why? And our why is because we love this damn thing. And it's continuously changing, but we're going to keep bringing it to you. So we appreciate all y'all. And happy holidays, man. We'll see you guys next year. And Mike, I couldn't have said it any better myself. We really appreciate everybody who's been tuning in, who's followed us and stuck along with us on this ride. It's been a lot of fun, and we just hope to keep growing this this whatever you want to call it, this podcast, this product, this channel, and keep bringing you guys the best Arizona sports coverage that we can, whether it's bringing you the facts of the matter or just our opinions. And, and like I keep saying, guys, we want to tailor it to what you want to see. So let us know either in the comments. You can even, I mean, right now at this size, you can DM us on Instagram or Facebook. Like this is your channel just as much as it is ours. So we really appreciate the Valley Sports Plug family, everybody who's joined us along this ride, whether you're on the stream or watching live, watching back on the replays, we really appreciate it. So one last plug for the year, follow us at AZ underscore VSP on Instagram, TikTok, and X.com. And make sure you tune in and subscribe on YouTube, Arizona Valley Sports plug on facebook and uh we're gonna keep rolling this into 2024 but i gotta thank michael benjamin and vsp tallman joining me on this run and this ride we're at the end of i think our second year even though it's about a year and a half that we've been doing this but just a lot of fun and no end in sight nowhere to go but up so we'll keep bringing you all the best arizona sports and valley action and maybe some pop culture sprinkled in there as well so Tune in, and we'll see you in 2024. For Michael Benjamin and VSP Tallman, I am Chris Patrick. We'll see you next time. Peace.